right. Well, let's not dilly dally, even though we don't have a curfew looming over us this week like we did last yeah, week. Yeah, right. <laughs> not the same sense of urgency. So maybe we can actually enjoy talking about what is it this week? Picasso Trigger? Yeah, there we Picasso go. Picasso Trigger. Yeah. So here we go. The following show will destroy your self worth with excessive expletives, overtly descriptive sexual deviance, and more desperation for external validation than any so called entertainment should ever be allowed. Two talentless losers who are about as insightful and provocative as a comatose jellyfish. Cinema Psyops. A tendency to deprave and corrupt those whose minds are open to such immoral influences and to whose hands a publication of this sort may fall. So if someone of a dirty bird gets hold of your stuff and it makes them a dirtier bird, then it's labeled obscene. Encouraging the lowest, most base, and animalistic of desires to all who will listen. Because we, as a society, have decided that a cinema psyops represents our base and vulgar impulses, and that acknowledging our use of it rattles our collective conscience. I was trying my best to make a positive impact in the lives of others, but secretly I was involved in a relationship that was taking over my life. Cinema Psyops. It was leaving me wounded and depressed, unable to even manage the relationships that mattered to me. Auditory vermin infesting every aspect of the human condition, spreading their filth and foul disease. The Black Plague Podcasting. Cinema Psyops with Court and Matt. To the 252nd straight week of Cinema PsyOps. I am the one mostly responsible for that. My name is Court. I also run this shit like it is Barter Town. Sitting all the way across town in his home, trying to be as comfortable as he can in a chair that squeaks every time he breathes in is Matt. I mean, this chair is old as dirt. <laughs> I need a new I need a new chair. I probably also need a lot less fat of a body, but I'm not willing to go through that right now. So. You you think the fat body would muffle the squeakiness of your chair, but it's not doing it. And it's it's, it's yeah, it's it's no, it's not. For me, working from home since pretty much uh, the second-ish week of March straight has taken its toll on my beloved computer desk chair that has seen many a night of me sitting in it editing this show and doing other things for this show and also just ripping movies for myself. Not for theft. I already own them i'm just putting them on my plex yeah that's the ticket they bought that right matt yeah they totally they totally think you're only sitting in that chair for movie slash show slash work purposes no one thinks you're jacking off constantly no one (laughs) no one oddly enough i've never done that in this chair and when it was at its most comfortable it probably would have given me the really great posture that i needed to achieve the ultimate orgasm so that's a wicked fail on my side i've never actually pleasured myself in this chair have you ever pleasured yourself in that room i mean yeah yeah, kind of. Fuck. All right. Well, <laughs> shit. Right on the spot that you normally sit down, too. Oh, man. Fuck. 
I knew I shouldn't have eaten that Cheeto that was on there, but oh well. <laughs> that wasn't a Cheeto. That was a California potato chip. Oh, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> it's what's left over on the casting couch in California. Oh, oh that's grody. <laughs> Why is it orange, dude? What the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> I was eating a lot of carrots at the time, like all Karen Carpenter style. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's what I expect that fucking uh, Trump's shit to look like. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, boy, we went way off the rails and really really gross why not man we need to go off the rails fuck this place it's bullshit (laughs) fair enough but things are starting to look on the up and up it looks as though some things are starting to change while that may be some platitudes and some various things that we were worried about trying to be satiated and put down also uh it seems that the protesters are winning i mean they're getting they're getting beaten they're getting hurt and everything but it's spread globally and also this uh civil rights uprising i mean it just seems to be gaining momentum where more and more people are showing up. There's no more like tourists trying to start riots. There's no more like, at least as far as I could tell, the white nationalists that were trying to infiltrate it and delegitimizing it by causing looting and stuff like that. Now it's straight up people that are fighting for their right just to be able to breathe that are left behind now. Yeah, uh, and that's good. Um, yeah, the, the violence part of it seems to be at least from the protester end or however end because I don't believe it was always yeah, started by the pro- fucking cops all the way around. Everything was yeah, started. The violence by the cops. was always started by the police force. And if any looting happened, I'm, I'm under a heavy belief it was started by groups pretending to be on the side of the protesters. Right. I believe it's, it was by white nationalists pretending to be Antifa groups. So, Well, and the Antifa thing is just being pushed by Trump because he needs a scapegoat and he's got none because he is the problem in this case. Well, and, then, and all these other assholes are like, oh, see, look, uh, these Craigslist ads for people to come to the protest by uh, posted by Antifa. You think Antifa's that fucking stupid they'd use fucking craigslist you don't think they would have their own fucking site built where people can go it's That's also just, not an organization fucking, like people you know who trying to does use craigslist be. fucking rednecks and fucking nazis and shit who don't know how to fucking use anything that's who's using it antifa is also not really the organization scapegoat that it's trying to be made out to be it's like basically anti against fa fascist anyone who is against fascism anyone who hates nazis is antifa by default that's how that works i don't know why people aren't getting that it's just become the the trigger word like they use socialism to try and outrage whatever racist conservatives are trying to fight back against this it's how to scare the baby boomers and to keep voting for trump (laughs) right right and if you can get some other group that's great too well i mean everything that uh, i've ever had to say about the police they have proven me right uh time and time again and as you said last week you're on my side now so you wholeheartedly actually believe it now whenever I play this clip. Old cops are bumbling dummies. To hell with yeah. the police. I'm going to stockpile all my guns because cops don't help you. Except for the stockpiling guns because that cuts into your drinking money. It does and I can't do that. So <laughs> if there's ever if there's ever a real upheaval let me know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so that's 252 weeks. We are yeah. in serious uh, turmoil here in the state and uh, that's not going to stop us from doing episodes. That's just not going to no, happen. J- just see the simpler world we had when we first started this show right when getting an episode out every week didn't seem like such a big deal or even an undertaking whenever i'm terrified 24 7 like that was not even a thing the terror i had 24 7 before was normal shit like how am i going to get my bills paid on time and now it's like like, when are the food riots going to start because that's coming soon yeah uh, when's the alien landing going to happen uh I, i just 
just think of it like Obama was president. Things were just better. And then, you know, we get a Cheeto. And uh, life the bulk has to of this show has way. been under that presidency, though. The bulk of the show has been under his presidency. The bulk of the show has been under, yes, that presidency as well. Yeah. I mean, like, will we even be able to do a show every week if we're in good spirits? I mean, like, is that a possibility? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't know either. Uh, that's a. <laughs> yeah, we, I think we could. We could be happy and do this show. <laughs> <laughs> it's happened before scattershot here and there, but usually we're not talking about things that make people happy anyway. So I think the answer yeah. is, yeah, we could be emotionally okay and do the show, but we're not going to be talking about things that make you feel emotionally we're okay. Gonna, and by the way, in, in our lifetime, Earth is not going to, you know, all of a sudden find peace. So we'll have something to bitch about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but until things straighten out, we may or may not have to forego the PSYOP news. But our, our group has been really pushing extra news articles to us that fit our weird, twisted worldview of just strange sexual stuff. So maybe we can squeeze one in this week. Yeah, maybe. All right, well, enough beating around the bush. This week for the Lethal Ladies Full Franchise Fest is Picasso Trigger, which is my second favorite of the three that we've done so far. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hard ticket uh, to Hawaii still, still better wins than Malibu Express? Yeah, well, Malibu Express is going to be in the bottom, I think, for pretty much all of them for me. We'll, we'll see. I remember yeah. liking Malibu Express the least out of all of them, but I also really remembered liking Hard Ticket to Hawaii, which I still stand by that. I think that's still maybe my my favorite, at least so far. We'll see how the rewatches are going to go, but Picasso Trigger definitely was more entertaining and had a lot more going on for it than Malibu Express, definitely. Yeah, I think so. I think Picasso Trigger had a bit more story. I, it, it had a bit more dialogue than uh uh hard ticket to uh hawaii as evidenced by your 72 clips yeah i had seven clips instead of the four i have eight or eight clips instead of the four double the clips so it must be double the dialogue right that's the, the only the, excuse not that you that got lazy must this be week. something or at least dialogue that's worth talking about <laughs> not that you got lazy this week in any way shape or form no not at all shut up <laughs> dummy how dare you're, you <laughs> you're a dummy head for saying things like that wow just like our president you resort to childish insults when you have no actual argument i follow who my leaders are <laughs> <laughs> On that very dark and dour note, we're going to play the Legion GoFundMe promo. We'll have the little bit of music that fits in with Picasso Trigger when we come back. We will have the trailer. This is Bo from LegionPodcasts.com. Hey, it's been a crazy time, and when the world gets nuts, we're happy to offer some old-fashioned podcast entertainment. But for some folks, getting a laugh out of a show isn't really helping these days. People who depend on tips in their bartending jobs or have been put on furlough with no pay till the worst of this coronavirus threat has passed. That's a tough spot. That's why we set up a GoFundMe for members of our community, a sort of grand scale take a penny, leave a penny. For people like myself, for whom the recent disruptions haven't kicked us out of work, well, we can drop a few of those extra pennies in the GoFundMe jar. For those who are directly affected by recent events, and find themselves looking for money to pay the electric bill or keep the water on, well, how about you give me a shout at bo, B-O, at legionpodcasts.com. Let me know the situation and what you need, and we'll do our best to make life a little easier. And you can find links to the GoFundMe on the front page of legionpodcasts.com, on our Facebook group page, or on Twitter at legionpodcasts, where it's the pinned tweet. For those of you who are able, thanks in advance for chipping in. And members of our community who need a hand, hey, here we are. Remember, stay safe, stay healthy, 
and we're all going to get through this together. Legion isn't just a name, it's who we are. Thanks for listening to all the shows here on Legion Podcasts, and we'll talk to you soon. Hawaiian music to make you think about the beach bodies and the bikinis just floating around being taken off so that ladies can shower in bathrooms on boats that are about to explode. Of course, that's the only way to shower. How are you showering, <laughs> fucking pleb? Uh, alone and sadly, scrubbing myself, screaming about how much I hate this carcass. Oh, okay, so you and I shower exactly the same. That's weird. Sometimes together. Yeah, I mean, sometimes we're just yelling at each other. <laughs> And it's usually about this trailer. Yeah. <laughs> Picasso Trigger. Code name for a killer. Steve Bond is Travis Abilene, an undercover agent with the help of an explosive force. An international mystery winds through the casinos and the countryside, the beaches and the bayous. From Paris, France to the Hawaiian Islands, the trail is hot and everybody is fatally attractive. Killing is an art form, and Travis Abilene must stop the Picasso trigger. So I cut out all of the uh, explosions and uh, shots of asses and stuff like that. That was just music and no actual talking dialogue that would make it useful for this radio style format. And that took it down to 32 seconds. That might be the most perfect trailer that's ever trailered. (laughs) So far, this series, knock on wood, has been quite good for trailer for what we need for a usable format. It works pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's fucking get started with it, huh? Uh, Sure, why not? (laughs) Fucking A. All right, so we start with the rich dude, and he's starting to get ready, like, going through the day. You know, he's getting a tux on. Seems really nice. He seems rich because it's a nice place. (laughs) Um, Then on the TV screen, there's some other guy thanking him for helping him take out the federal agents that looks like he, that killed his father. Um, Then uh, we see a dude with uh, the Aryan symbol uh, is following him around like a butler but he's wearing you notice he's wearing the Aryan symbol yeah um I don't 
get it. I don't know. But I, I, I don't know. Okay. Are you so talking anyway. about? The, he's had like a Maltese cross as well. I think he's supposed to be like a Nazi scientist or something, right? Oh, uh, whatever he is, it seems like he's also a butler now. So <laughs> I guess good for him. I, I don't uh, know, but like I, it's the same guy that was like all over the place, and he was wearing like a Maltese cross and some stuff, and then in some of them he was wearing various other sort of World War II Nazi regalia. I think they were hinting that he was a Nazi scientist. Oh, okay. Well, that's fucking weird. Um. Anyway, uh, so the rich guy he goes to an art gallery and uh, and he announces a painting, and that is our first clip. As painted by world-renowned artist Guillermo Esteban, is a creature conceived in beauty who protects his life with a fierce brutality seldom experienced by most men. My recent brush with death necessitated a long recuperative period where I spent many hours staring at this masterpiece. I came to the conclusion that it represented a, a philosophy that I wanted to express. Man must learn from God's creatures to protect all that is beautiful. With every force, every resource, every breath that he takes. I therefore donate this painting to the people of Paris and to the world. Last time you created a media event, you were indicted by the grand jury. A multi-million dollar endowment bridges the gap between outlaw and philanthropist. It's amazing how just a few million dollars allows him to ignore that the Picasso trigger is actually your code name. Art has many faces. I need this time to fulfill my dreams. With no inhibitions, no obstacles. And I want you to share this freedom I have. You sound like a man who's nearing his end. No. Nearing a new beginning. He'll be around forever. One can only hope. Well then. Yes, and the, and the reason I really took this is because they said the, the name of the movie, and I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's his code name because he loves the Picasso paintings, and I guess Trigger is the type of fish that is the painting that he collects, which he has the real version of that apparently the stolen version is actually what's in the museum or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, we have no idea what the fuck's going on around here. I don't even think they know. So uh, Honestly, I'm just do... counting down for when uh, Donna and uh, Taryn pop up on screen again. Yes. So anyway, that dude leaves, and the Nazi butler dude guns him down, and he is dead. So, bye. See you later. So long, Picasso Trigger. Code Goodbye, name. title of the movie. We don't need you anymore. Now the title of the movie is Boobs and Butts. I mean, that's all we really want in a Sedaris film anyway. Pretty much. Uh, so anyway, we are at yet another yacht club, and uh, some different dudes are talking to one another, and that is our next clip. Yeah, Travis Parker. This is Uncle Long Gone, calling from Dallas. You still on that beautiful boat? You bet. Living good is the best revenge. Shoot, when I was your age, I'd made $5 million in the oil business. Spent 80% of it on good whiskey, fast cars, and faster women. The other 20% I just pissed away. Is this a social call? Picasso Trigger is dead. Natural causes, no doubt. Yeah, considering his lifestyle, a bullet in the chest. Any clues to who did it? No, so stay alert. We don't know what'll happen next. Alejandro Felipe Salazar. Gone, but not forgotten. Aloha. 10-4. All right. So then we cut to Las Vegas, and two women are putting on a show. Like a little show, and it's it seems like they're uh, what would be the best word. They're auditioning. 
I guess. I don't know. I mean, it's a very empty room and they're doing a very sad cowboy based routine. Cowgirl. Cowgirl. Cowperson. Cowperson. Whatever pronoun makes you comfortable. Cowperson based routine with their assless chaps and bikinis. But it really slows down the momentum that the film had gained up until that point for them to do this dance. And yes, they're lovely ladies, but this was painful. Yes, this was uh this wasn't good. It was some sad stuff there. So anyway, um this old dude and this lackey are kind of hitting on the women and uh telling them, you know, all the shows they could book them for. Also, um, they wouldn't let them walk past like a couple of possessive ass hats, like they totally block their way. Like they're yeah. all in charge and strong and, you know, they're going to tell these women what they can and can't do. There are also two agents sitting there as well. They're talking about how, you know, that th- th- they can't believe the girls are getting this case and not them and they talk about how a lot of these girls for working for this old dude end up in snuff films so that's not good no snuff is not good no um so uh the old dude's lackey he uh puts uh he talks that they have these trackers ready then the two agents uh again they're still mad that they've been replaced by the women on the stage so then the lad the lackey goes and gives the tracker to a waitress who then gives like these flowers that the trackers are in to the agents uh, then, then these two alm agents they drive away and are blown the fuck up, and they are now dead. So. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of the lethal non-ladies getting murdered in these scenes coming up. Yes, yes. Um, well, we're back at Edie's, so hey, you know where everyone knows your name, right? Well, there's uh, there's that, and the uh, sexually harassing Mater D is nowhere in sight, so Edie's automatically jumps up a notch in my estimation now. Same, same here. It seems, and you know what, it even seems more packed like more people are like thank god you got rid of that fucking creep he kept touching my wife inappropriately and i wanted to assault him but my wife kept telling me it wasn't worth it and then and then weirdly he started touching me inappropriately <laughs> and i found it slightly charming <laughs> so i decided to say everything's okay uh so anyway, then we see the dude uh, who is thanking that agent for killing the federal agents. Uh, he's uh, he's out there. He's buying some stuff. And uh, then um, yeah, it looks like he's buying uh, a couple of ladies for the night. And then two hitmen come in and kill a couple who are sitting there. Or the couple who he bought stuff for. He they, they he leaves and then these two hitmen kill that couple and apparently they were agents. Okay, at some point it's revealed that this is happening. I think it's before this hit, but at some point in somewhere it's revealed that this is happening. All these hits are happening because of the drug lord who got killed in the last film, the hard ticket to Hawaii's main baddie. And oh, really? See, I didn't put that together, and so this whole thing, this whole experience watching it for me, uh-huh. kind of was just like I, I don't know what the fuck's going on, but okay. Okay. But I didn't think I really needed to know what's going on. Because because right. it's a Sedaris film. Right. It's a minor detail that like only like in a third degree way kind of like ties it to Hard Ticket to Hawaii, which is loosely tied to Malibu Express. But because his brother was the main drug lord that got killed in the last one, this main like curly haired dude that bought the, the flowers and everything and has been roaming around and is basically calling all the shots for all these hits that are happening for the lethal agents. Yeah. Um, Because that was his brother. So this is his vengeance. And the big thing that he wants to do is he wants to get all the people that were directly involved 
involved with causing the death of his brother. So those two were actually like um, in their conversation they're having at dinner, they're talking about how they're man and wife and they're going to become like a man and wife team for Lethal or something along those lines and that yeah. they're agents, but they keep it on the down low and then the guy pays for them to get laid with the yellow reefs so that yep. they know who is going to get killed and that marks them for death and then he takes off. And so all of these different like hits that are happening are all being orchestrated by the brother of the drug dealer from the Hard Ticket to Hawaii movie. That's why all of this is happening. So go ahead from here and take over. Excellent. Awesome. Then we cut to it's Donna and Taryn and uh, they're showering. So Just Donna showering. Yeah, you're right. Just Donna. But that's that's good enough for me. Oh, we also uh, we need to talk a little bit about uh, the actress who plays uh, Taryn. Um, I'm remiss in missing a few things that Robert Ward, our, our, our field reporter, was uh, nice enough to point out to me. That actress oh. is Hope Marie Carlton, and she is, in fact, the pinup girl that ends up in Joey's waterbed and gets him to jump down into the waterbed in part four. Oh, really? Yeah. She and was, then, and she, then Freddie drags him under and kills him. Right. So apparently she was, at some point in time, a Playboy model, as most of these ladies that end up in the Sedaris films were, and she was actually a pinup on the in the Playboy that Joey was reading at the time when he fell asleep, and that's why she ended up in the water underneath the bed to, to kill him and everything. And she's got one hell of a career. Um, she's done a whole bunch of fucking movies. So having said all of that stuff that I had to say, in this movie, I reassessed my particular view about whether or not I was having the hots for Hope Marie Carlton a little bit more than what I did in the last movie. And now I want to go back and watch Hard Ticket to Hawaii, which features her a lot more prominently, if you know what I mean, and I think you do, because uh, I, I definitely yeah, have more of appreciation for her. However, all of the shots of Don Spear in this film, major thank you movie. And you're about to describe one, so I will <laughs> now acquiesce the floor to you, sir. All right. Well, anyway, a nice little Donna shower there, and that's nothing, nothing to shake a stick at. Well, then, there is a certain stick that you could shake it to that. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I, I meant the bad kind of stick. Uh, <laughs> that you don't you don't shake that at this. Um, <laughs> and depending on who it is, any kind of any stick can be a bad stick. So That's plenty um, of qualifiers. You're good. Yeah, yeah. All right. So anyway, then the drug lord blows up their freaking boat, and then we cut to the rancher. And It's important to talk about how the boat got blown up. They go and they're going to get samples for some aquarium guy that works for Lethal as well. He's yeah. flying a model airplane, which is like a callback to the model helicopter that was dropping off drugs and then also bombs, as yeah, well as the they, RC they cars. They love that... model airplanes and stuff, or Sedaris does. I think that's something that he's really into. Well, it makes sense to strap a bomb to a model car or like an RC controlled car because you can drive it right up to where you want, and most people don't perceive that as a threat until it's too late. As evidence, and, and I get that, but I'm just saying it. It, it seems much like you well, know. Yeah, I'm sure he had a hobby, and that's why he wanted to use some of them. Maybe he was, you know, blowing up old ones to be able to have the budget replace the new ones that he wanted to buy or something like that. Who knows? But it also is kind of a fun little thing to add in because at the time these were still relatively new and very very expensive pieces of equipment to get these kinds of... I mean, of they're still pretty expensive to this day. Right, and especially, like, as detailed as some of these are, they're, like, pretty serious replicas. Like, that, it was like a World War II biplane, wasn't it, that they were flying to blow up the boat or something? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, and uh, um, they actually comment on it when they're off away from the boat that, you know, what what's that plane circling the boat for? That's kind of cool. Who's playing with that? And then it crashes into it and it explodes it, and they're happy to be alive and they go hide. Yes. So then we cut to the rancher, and there's some dudes in a 
black van watching him. Um, the rancher has a man take his Jeep uh, to go check on like some of the property, and assassins blow it up. So then the rancher calls our main guy, Travis, and that is our next clip. Travis, it's LG. Now listen and listen tight. Someone tried to kill me this morning. They think I'm dead, so I'm laying low. I'm going to need you over here to help me with this. You start tonight. Female agent's arriving from Paris. She'll be in Dallas by the time you arrive. Her name is Pantera. Spent the last couple of years undercover with Salazar, and she knows all the players. Show her some hospitality, Texas style. I'll be on the next plane out. No, it's too public. Contact the professor and take his private jet. I'm going to plug into Washington with my computer. And meet me tomorrow morning at Big Pines Lodge on Cato Lake. I'll have full dossiers for you by then. All right. So Travis takes off, and Donna and Taryn then get a ride from somebody. Uh, so, and they uh, wonder if Taryn's cover has been blown, and that's why they were attacked. Um, so then we see this dude working at the sea park who they're going to meet. That is the same guy from Hard Ticket to Hawaii, right? That was like Riley or Rowdy or whatever the fuck his name is. Buddy, right? Possibly, yeah. I'm not sure, though. Um, I don't think that guy looks like the same guy. It looked like the same kind of lame-ass ponytail. That's why yeah. I was thinking it might have been him. But, I mean, a lot of guys had a lame-ass ponytail back then. Especially the bodybuilder, like, kung fu types, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, then, so then the ladies hop on a plane, and they take off. And then we cut to Dallas International Airport, and this woman lands, and it's the same woman who the Picasso fucking trigger whatever dude was talking to at the art gallery. And we see that some assassin dudes are watching her uh she gets into a car and those dudes follow her um donna then calls the sea world dude and asks about travis but the sea world dude says travis is gone uh travis meets this agent lady uh from the airport and uh she is in some sort of lingerie uh it's a it's a fetching a fetching outfit <laughs> okay we need to kind of talk about this so yeah we do Let's, let's talk about how fetching this out. But first of all, Travis looks like he's about 65. Like his face looks 65 well, the, on the body of a 30-year-old. Yeah, the denim outfit he wears later on does not help him at all. No, his face is denim, for yeah. fuck's sake. Yeah. All right. So this is Travis Abilene, who is supposed to be one of the Abilene family as well. I don't know if he's a cousin or a brother or what, but he's not Riley and he's not Cody. But basically, he's replacing Riley or Rowdy or whatever the fuck his name is from the last movie and Don spear is into this abilene like she was into the last abilene for whatever fucking reason other than they just needed a guy named abilene and they didn't care what the first name was and they hope you didn't notice yeah i mean that's pretty much what this was and he's uh, he's basically here with this lady who they had had some kind of past relationship and now he's all shocked that she's here they dated in college yeah and he apparently was using her to be just another notch on his belt but she says as she says but then he argues something along the lines of that she was special to him which sure seems like a line that he's like, I remember liking you. I want another taste is what he was getting at. Possible, but it seems like he actually does like her. I mean, in a, in a, why wouldn't you in that fetching fucking outfit? I would tell I, her I anything she wanted agree. to hear. That's, that, that outfit is fetching. <laughs> so, um, uh, let's see here. Uh, oh, but she wants to give him a second chance because apparently her cat likes him. And if that wasn't a euphemism for something, uh, that's code. <laughs> 
I believe it is. Yeah. <laughs> they head on out into a honky tonk and have some dance time. And this is just fucking god awful to watch. Okay. I'm glad you felt the same. Um, yeah. I'm not a fan of honky tonks, but this was very, very seriously the kind of line dancing awfulness that became part of honky tonking culture where it was literally just pop music with a slight twang over top of it so that and, people could line dance to it. And then worse than that, they get done with the dancing part or the line dancing and then those two go out on the uh, dance floor at least if they would have tried honky tonk dancing or line dancing that'd be something but then they just start dancing like they're in a normal nightclub and you're like what the fuck's going on around here I'm guessing they didn't even have music to work off of because that happens a lot in movies. So they probably yeah. were just dancing to some other type of track and then they matched it up later to this because what they're doing reminds me of Crispin Glover's spazzo dance in uh, Friday the 13th Part 4 that he yes! did to Back yes! in Black, yes! which Thank makes you. more sense to Back in Black than it does to... I'm not saying it was good. I'm just saying it makes more sense to Back in Black than it does to the song that they played over top of Crispin Glover's dance in Friday the 13th Part 4. Yes. So out at the bar, uh, they... They make out a little bit, and um, they say how even during her wedding, she loved him. So that's kind of bullshit. I mean, she got married to some other guy just because this guy wouldn't marry her, uh, even though she didn't love the other guy. That's kind of bullshit, man. That would make you a good person in my book. Yeah, but it makes for great drama between the two of them that they're like this, uh, not necessarily unrequited love, but this two ships passing in the night love story that they can include into the film to make you feel for her character more and also to make you think that maybe they're meant to be and all of that kind of stuff. It's a shortcut. It's a hack. But in real life, that makes you a piece of shit to do that, to marry someone else when you're in love with someone completely different. Agreed. Totally agree so anyway um so then but then they go home and they bone in a weird circumstance like he gets to play with her boobs and have them all up in his hands but we yeah. don't get to see him they never drop her top in this sequence she's always got no. that fetching outfit on and i was i was actually really mad about that <laughs> i mean i don't feel like i deserve the right but i'm like what wait what <laughs> i don't think i deserve it i just i just wish we could have and then also you're quite mad that he was able to touch them but yeah, we see, weren't that's able what to I'm see mad them about. i'm more mad at him that <laughs> goddamn abilene family they get everything they really do everything's just handed to them all right so the next day they go to see the rancher and that is our next clip look you know this is only round one well miguel ortiz avenged his brother's death what more could he want power hitting federal agents was just his way of alerting the pros it was all salazar's plan now the next step is to kill the civilians involved in his brother's case so Ortiz started the hit on Salazar? I'm sure he did. Salazar was lethal, but he did have a sense of honor. He never would have allowed Ortiz to go this far. What have you got? This is what Washington came up with. It's a real show and tell. You seem to be staring at me. You're the only failure Salazar has ever had. Oh? He prided himself in keeping us cool in the crimes he orchestrated. But he made it a point to get personally involved in your murder. We go back a long way. Yeah. Kill him to find out that he botched it up. Too bad's already dead, huh? <laughs> I like to think about him spinning in his grave. 
<laughs> All right. So then as they're talking, two dudes come walking in. They kind of notice this and they know they're going to have to get the fuck out of there. So the rancher and Travis, they hitch on a boat to make the two guys chase them. The other girl, she gets on her own boat and kind of follows them. There's a pattern in these films thus far, but it's really obvious in this movie. Have you noticed that the more qualified agents are the females and yet all of the males are constantly brushing them aside going, I'll handle this. I don't want to put you in danger. The females are also putting their lives on the line as being agents, so they should be there as well. And then the men are always inept at what they do and the women are always the ones that know what they're doing and yet they're still allowing themselves to be brushed aside. Agreed. Yes. <laughs> and then here's the other thing that seems to be the common theme. As the boat chase, there's a shootout and Travis can't hit shit. So much like every other Albaline that's ever lived, Travis doesn't know how to use a fucking gun. How do you get to be some kind of like super secret agent in a super secret Daddy's agent? fucking money. Is it that? I mean, that's the it's only thing that, that I can think of. man. <laughs> right. You can't pass a fucking test to save your ass, but at least Cody had his martial arts skills, which are debatable on how good those were or weren't. But his hands were a lethal weapon. <laughs> right. Whatever. But then, <laughs> um, you know, the other guy, at, at least um, Riley, Rowdy, whatever you want to say, at least he got gadgets where he knew he could fire with a heat-seeking missile and, and do okay. And then he, yeah. al he also would come up with other plans like a razor blade frisbee, which is fucking ridiculous and awesome, you know? But, like... It just, it's really kind of frustrating to have this through line thing and to realize that these guys get to be agents when everybody else is literally way more qualified than them. And it all comes back to daddy's money. It has to. It does. Yeah. Probably daddy, I think, started this agency probably. <laughs> so uh, now all Abilene's get just punt right to the, you know, right up front. It's like a fucking fraternity where they got legacy, so they have to get in, even though they're inept and useless and get all the other agents killed. Exactly. <laughs> it's a real archer situation up in lethal a, yeah i think so it's a real archer situation that is exactly right except for archer could hit shit with guns and he was like that idiot savant who actually failed up well yeah that's the funny thing about archer when the shit hits the fan he's a total murder savant but like yeah. everything else about him he's completely fucking useless well yeah exactly like he could fight anybody he could shoot anybody all that but being a human being he's worthless yeah interpersonal relationships are where he fails miserably actual yeah. tact and spy craft he sucks horribly at killing mother fuckers like it ain't no thing he doesn't even have to try yeah exactly so anyway uh well the rancher takes out one guy and then the lady takes out the other so uh, travis just sits there like a shithead and then we cut to uh travis calls the sea world dude and tells him to have donna and taryn and himself get to vegas so all three of those have to get to vegas from fucking hawaii that's a uh, hard ticket to go from hawaii to vegas yeah yeah yeah, it's a hard ticket. Um, we get an agent team meeting, and that is our next clip. Alejandro Felipe Salazar, codename the Picasso Trigger, assassinated on the front steps of a museum in Paris shortly after he donated a $3 million painting. I have reason to believe that Miguel Ortiz double-crossed Salazar in order to gain control of the international crime syndicate Salazar ruled. Pantera stripped us on the second stage of Ortiz's plan. The witnesses against his brother will be assassinated next Monday. Our plan will go into motion exactly at noon, Hawaii time, on Sunday. If we're not precise, our targets could scatter and we could lose a valuable advantage. This guy's Toshi Lum. He's the network's link to the Far East. He takes care of the smuggling and the money laundering operations. 
Satoshi's living quarters are in the penthouse of his office building. We can set it up. It'll be tough, but I can handle it. These two are Glenn and Chavo. They're henchmen for Charles William Patterson. He's the backbone of a white slavery operation that spans half the globe. Patterson's perversion is his sadistic participation in snuff films. Lally is his most recent victim. I'm sure we can lure Patterson out of hiding. Glenn and Chavo work for him. They're at the club for every show. I'll hang with the girls and tie up any loose ends. This beautiful guy is Miguel Ortiz, international drug smuggler and avenger of his brother's death. Although it seems that vengeance has taken a back seat to his desire for power. We suspect that he's the one responsible for Salazar's death. The guys you're looking at here are Ortiz's personal bodyguards. He's never without them. And these two gentlemen patrol the outside perimeter of the estate. Donna, I want you and Taryn to handle Miguel Ortiz. Travis, Miguel Ortiz is the most formidable of the group. I thought it would be your assignment. I believe Travis gave out that assignment to the best man for the job. And I use that term figuratively, of course. <laughs> Nothing personal, Donna. Good, but... let's keep it that way. Donna, can we not let our emotions get the best of us, please? Same to you, buddy. Travis, where will you be in all of this? I won't be with you. We'll station ourselves at Salazar State on the North Shore of Hawaii. Why? What's the point? He's dead. It was his base of operation. Something may erupt, and if it does, I want to be there. Pantera, you leave tonight on the 10 p.m. to Honolulu. You'll also set up the communication network for the rest of us. I'll meet you at Lookout Ridge on Sunday. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's imperative that we arrest them all at once. Together, we can break them. And one more thing. Expect the worst. All right, this is kind of interesting. This is about 34-ish minutes, so not even the full halfway point whenever this clip comes in. And this yeah. meeting is setting up the plot for essentially the rest of the movie. And then, like, in an Avengers Endgame kind of thing, you have to go off into all these different locales and uh, points in time. Well, the same point in time, but all these different locales. Because they're trying to synchronize this, like, basically this hit to arrest all of these guys in this entire organization all at once. And it's really fucking ambitious for a Sedaris film and we'll see as the plot unfolds how that works out for us. Exactly. Well then Donna and Travis go off to the side and they're talking in a different room and she doesn't like the lady that you know Travis just boned states that she was a criminal at one point in time. And then they're talking a little bit more and uh, as he's making a drink Donna just gets nude and uh, so boobies and uh, they bone. Okay, so he asks her if she is jealous, and she says, yeah. of course not, there's not a jealous bone in my body. He goes to fix a drink, and by the time he fixes a drink and turns around, she's completely naked and presenting she her body want to, check. to him and asks if he wants to check for a jealous bone in her body. And I'm thinking, yes, yes, you fucking do. Yeah, 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 check it, check it. Also, <laughs> I'm not- Travis, why did that fucking Abilene get the fucking Travis? <laughs> All I'm saying is I wouldn't take his word for it, so if the character of Donna would also allow me to check her for jealous bones in her body, I would very much like to do that examination. I would I would suggest that. I think that's perfectly reasonable. 
I mean, you always need to get a second opinion, right? I think so. I think that's only responsible. It's a responsible thing. Second, third, fourth, maybe a fifth opinion. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Stop trying to edge in on this, dude. No, I'm already in. So, okay. <laughs> Cut to it's it's Friday. Uh, we know because the movie told us on the screen. Very nice. Um. Taryn uh, takes a plane to visit Jimmy John during a golf tournament. So we'd see Jimmy John again. And Jimmy John sucks at golf, apparently. Like, really bad. He, he fucking, he's like my level of golfing at this point, which is bad. I think this was just an excuse for Andy Sedaris's cameo because he's playing him and trying to show him how to golf. And they're playing a game of, like, you know, for betting. And I think yeah. Sedaris is playing the same role that he was in Hard Ticket to Hawaii, where he's the sportscaster guy. But from what I can tell, it looks like he's dropped a little weight for this movie. Yeah. I think I thought he was a little bit skinnier. I recognized him, but I thought he was a little bit skinnier. Yeah, and from what I could tell, I think he maintains that weight um, for a good portion of his life that he dropped it down to because all of the behind-the-scenes footage of him uh, where he's introducing the films and stuff that are on the DVDs and or Blu-rays, they look pretty much like he does here. So, I, I mean, he looked about the same. He might The weight might have fluctuated a little bit, but I think it was for health reasons maybe that he dropped that weight. Yeah, that's why I'm trying to drop weight. That's still uh, why I'm trying to drop weight, even though I'm trying to convince myself it's also for vanity yeah right uh so then uh we cut to donna and travis get close on the jet they're on a jet and they're getting close they're you know come on they're they're talking they're loving one another that's fine i love how he tries to invite her to the mile high club and then she corrects him that it's actually seven miles high at this point and then yeah. he repeats well we'll just have to do one for each mile then and she goes are you think you ready or something and then that's how they coda that scene where it just kind of ends with them getting ready to to boff on the plane yeah exactly not as impressive to be in the Mile High Club, by the way, when you're on a private jet. I mean, anybody yeah. can make that happen on a private jet. Not that, that impressive. That takes no skill at all. Yeah, if you're not doing that commercial, then I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, if you're not doing that on a commercial flight from coach, I'm not impressed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so then uh, the agent girls in Vegas are approached by the criminals, and they want them to do a harder court show. So then we're back on the plane again. Again, and Donna and Travis find pics of this original agent, the Picasso trigger. And as they're checking it, they see uh, the watch is on a different wrist than an earlier picture. So now Travis is starting to put two and two together because he's apparently so fucking smart. Well, um, he's an Abilene, Matt, so automatically he's like Superman. You know, he's uh, Bubba Bond. I fucking hate you. Just stop talking about these fucking Abilene's. <laughs> It's the Hatfield McCoys. Well, it's the Psyops versus the Abilites. We don't like them. Uh, we would definitely lose that fight, even though they can't shoot for shit. I was about to say, what else are they going to do? <laughs> we would have to stay really far out of range and fight them with sniper rifles and stuff. That's the right, only yeah. way the Psyops crew could beat the Abilines, because they've got the money to just send wave after wave of pawns to die at our feet. That's true. They could. The Abilines would do something like that, in my opinion. <laughs> They're not that bad. They just bathe in privilege that you'll never know and it makes you extremely jealous yeah <laughs> duh that's fair i'm just saying then we cut to jimmy john and taryn bone uh, so thank you here uh, is where i realized that i was remiss and not enjoying hope marie carlton more on screen in the last film so i may need to yeah. go back and watch hard ticket to hawaii again yes uh th that may be something that has to happen because like i said thank you movie that was uh <laughs> she was also wearing a fetching outfit uh so anyway uh there's a professor and he's uh making a killer remote control car 
car. And then a boomerang that could be fitted with an explosive for the ladies. Uh, so this professor must be the agent's kind of, their cue. Yeah, but this, this is also the guy that's wearing the Nazi regalia too, right? No, no, no. The guy with the Nazi cross is the other guy's butler. They looked exactly the fucking same to me. I couldn't one, tell the difference. One was skin- the, the good professor guy was skinnier. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and the other one was a bit shorter and stockier. But you are correct in which they had kind of the same face and they definitely had the same haircut. It was a gray flat top. See where you missed the point of the movie where what was this guy doing to kill all these agents? Why was he doing it other than just being like super villain? Yeah. I totally missed that those were different people. I thought it was the same guy playing both sides. I'm like, what I, the I, fuck? I, it, it seems to happen during these Sedaris films. We, I've noticed since doing them, we've both missed something about something. <laughs> right. I mean, we always, we've missed some sort of just like little thing. It might not even that be that important, but it's still just something, you know? So then we cut to uh, the SeaWorld dude, dude and Edie are working out, and then uh, she strips down to uh, uh, shirtless. So again, thanks, movie. Then uh, we cut to Travis is getting a weapon crutch. It's a crutch, but it's apparently like a gun or something. Yeah. Okay. So they're trying to do the Bond films level of gadgetry, which on the extreme low budget that this is at, the only thing I can think of comparatively would be the Agent for Harm. That was a pilot for a TV show, I think, that ended up being a really fucking great episode of MST3K. Did you ever see it? I did not see that one. Okay. Pretty much the same level of stuff, except they were trying to sell it off as like awesome and actual technology and, you know, cool trick and stuff. Whereas in this movie, they're almost literally looking at you going, yeah, we know this is dumb, but go with us on this. We're just having fun. Just, hey, if you hang in there for another 15 minutes, there's going to be some more boobs. So just hang in there. <laughs> right. Hang in there, everybody. They're like, you're not here for the fucking shotgun crutch. We know yeah, that, yeah, but just don't enjoy it. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> but don't be a prick about it, and maybe we'll show you more boobs later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now we cut to, it's Saturday. We know the movie just told us. I always love those titles that tell us what day we're at. Exactly, right? Um, Donna and Taryn are watching the assassins now they're being their own little spies and then Edie in SeaWorld, dude, um, they infiltrate the bad guy's building and they're pretending to be like phone people from the phone company. Uh, then two agents in, in the Vegas show, they're doing very well. Um, and then, uh, you know, they one uh, actually helps bathe the other. Uh, and then um, the other decides to hit the hot tub. And so it's just a lot of boobies in here. <laughs> okay. These are the two cow person dance routine. Yeah ladies right yes all right these are the first appearances of both of these actresses um in this series i don't know if they show up later on or not i i don't really i can't really recall but yeah. i just will say this the brunette lady in the hot tub really kept my attention the entire time and i got rather frustrated when they cut away from her for anything other than the lady taking a shower yes I would understand that. That is an understandable thing you're talking about right there. I was uh, mesmerized. I'm like, okay, these two ladies may be absolutely terrible at doing the dance routine thing that they were trying to have them do. That's not their fault because good Lord, are they fetching and I can't stop staring at them when they're not wearing that terrible cow person outfit. 
Yes, this is true. Then the movie tells us it's Sunday. So that was a pretty active Saturday. Um, <laughs> I mean, they hot tubbed all day. Hey, man, have you ever hot tubbed all day? That's that's a lot of work. So uh, Donna and Taryn decide to take off. Then we saw the bad guys are watching the Vegas ladies. They're watching their show. They're putting on a show. Uh, and the one of the their kind of boss guy, who's a different bad guy, he likes the show. He's enjoying it. Um, this is also the guy who's heavily into the snuff films, apparently. Well, he must like lots of painful, terrible things then. It makes sense why he's into them, but he's also trying to rope them into the snuff ring, I think. So he's just imagining the horrible things he wants to do to them because he likes to be the one that does all the torture killing part. Exactly. The guys uh, find a SeaWorld dude in Edie and some fights ensue and the dude does a Boston crab on one guy and then I pl- and then plucks out his eyeballs. But we, we got a legit Boston crab. Rick the model Martel would have been proud. Yeah, they do a Boston crab on the guy whenever he's fighting because the dude's like twice his size. And then he does this like fold up like ab press thing to get to the guy's eyes and then he gouges them out, which was yeah. also relatively impressive, although kind of lame at the same time. Like I knew the physicality it took for that man to do that. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, like he wouldn't just drop you on your fucking neck and break it right there. What what the fuck? <laughs> uh, right. I, just, I don't fucking get that one. And this is another incident of a fight where he pushes the lady out of the way and he's going to take care of it, but she dispatches them much more efficiently and better than he did. Exactly. Well, then we cut back to the Vegas show and those showgirls take out some guns and they blow the bad guys away. Um, One of the girls is shot and then the bigger dude who's kind of overlooking the two agent girls, he comes out and kicks the living shit. Out of, out of uh, the guy who shot the girl, and we find out the girl who shot is going to be fine. Um, I think that the gentleman that was sort of like their backup was a Mr. Universe winner or something like that. One of those muscle contest things. I can't. I remember believe exactly. he was one of the same guys who in Malibu Express who mocked it, um, the Abilene in the gym for being a scrawny dude. Yeah, and then later ended up being one of the guys that he had to face with Mauser too. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but he shows up in a couple of these Sedaris films as well. I'm just trying to i can't I, i'm pretty sure it was a mystery universe and i don't remember the actor's name off the top of my head but you could totally see in this sequence why he won because his muscles are more prominently on display here than they were in malibu express for sure yes yes well and then SeaWorld dude we cut to him he gets into a karate fight um and then the eyeless dude he gets back up he's not dead but he has no eyes uh he shoots at him but then Edie just kills that guy uh, we then we cut to the two of the killers who are on the property. They are about to go ahead and um, abort uh, one of their missions, uh, but then they see Donna and they decide to chase her. Uh, the guys give um, Donna and Taryn a chase, and uh, Donna shoots one. The other uh, tracks them, but they use the boomerang and with the explosive on it and blow them up. Donna then starts preparing a whole shitload of weapons. Miguel the real main bad guy uh, that we've all been hearing about, uh, he starts hearing about all the takedowns that have been happening to his crew. Um, they then, uh, Taryn hits Miguel's place and they use a remote control car and they blow some shit up with it. Um, then a dude shoots Taryn, but luckily she's wearing a bulletproof vest 
and then she kills him. Did you notice right before she goes off after blowing up the house, she makes sure to zip up the vest she had let hanging loosely around yes. her so that while she's riding the bike, you can see her boobs bouncing around unencumbered by the t-shirt and no bra that she's wearing <laughs> underneath that vest. Of course, yes, and thank you. Yeah, that that's, <laughs> that sequence where they are riding the motorbikes around is very clearly framed in such a way so that you can watch their boobs bouncing, and that is just genius filmmaking on Sedaris's part. Yes, it is. Congratulations. Everyone's happy. <laughs> and thank you, uh, <laughs> Thank you, Sedaris. So um, then uh, Donna washes up on shore after she was attacked, and she actually just outright kills Miguel. Yeah, without hesitation. Like, isn't she fucks him up? She shoots him with one of the exploding um, tipped uh, spear gun things that she has, right? Yes, yes, that's exactly it with the spear. Um, so the rancher then he decides he's leaving town. Uh, who the original kind of the person that uh, the fucking uh, the drug lords were trying to kill. Donna and uh, Taryn they split up real quick, and uh, Travis he's acting like his leg is really hurt, so he has to take his special crutch. And the lady who he's with, the other lady agent, she seems um, like she's, she's starting to act really strange. Uh, and when he kind of goes away, she's like videoing him. So Donna calls the rancher and they confirm, the rancher confirms to Donna that they weren't trying to kill him. They were actually trying to kill his 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 deckhand, but they wanted to make it seem like they did so that he would call all the agents out. Right. That's where we realize that this was a double cross and they are actually using lethal to rid of a problem. And yes. Essentially, it's hinting that maybe Salazar has set this whole entire thing up and that everything that everybody was trying to believe about the uh, Omega or Ortega or whatever the fuck the guy's name was, I can't remember right now. Well, and, it, and it's really brought out that Picasso Trigger, it was a body double, some guy, some actor just getting some money who was killed by it right. instead of Picasso Trigger. Right. So this whole entire thing has been some giant overlong, over-exaggerated setup to basically have Lethal take out his competition because he's often a double agent where he's... He's a bad guy, but he works for them whenever they need to, and he keeps his stuff relatively low level, and these other guys were muscling in on his territory, and because they were worse, he thought he could get away with doing all of this. Yes, exactly. So then Travitz meets then with the still-living Picasso Trigger, and that is our next clip. Nice of you to limp by. You were expecting me. There's an awful lot of radiation in this room, more than from that TV camera. Sorry about LG's death. He's a fine individual. He's alive. And you know it. Yes, I do. You killed the wrong guy when you exploded the Jeep. And you did it on purpose. How to get LG's attention. So he'd gather up his best agents to do your dirty work? Can you think of a better way to get rid of my enemies? I guess I should be flattered. Major corporations. Power struggles are resolved by stock options, bonuses. My world's a little different. My most prized possession, painted with a Picasso triggerfish. A creature that rips out the underbellies of his adversary. I see. A self-portrait. Perhaps. I've seen enough of this painting, and I've seen enough of you 
asshole. Ah, Picasso Triggerfish. Huh. Hmm. Ah. All right. Anyway, <laughs> there's a shootout uh, going on, and Picasso runs. Um, Travis's lady friend, she runs in, and she hugs him, and she gets ready to stab him in the back, but Donna kills her using a, the fucking it's harpoon. A, it's a fish gig. It's the, yeah. the tip of that is a fish gig, but it's from her harpoon gun. Yeah. So uh, then they chase the Picasso man. Uh, and again, Travis can't hit shit with his gun. Yeah. He's even using like this specially targeted laser guided thing for the crutch. Um, the shotgun blast wasn't necessarily his fault, although he fired too late whenever the bullet shield glass came in to protect Picasso trigger. But he also does a thing where he scans for radiation and acknowledges that there's way more radiation in the room. And then Picasso trigger has this like scar down his chest where I guess he had something implanted on his heart no it wasn't implanted he had a pacemaker he had a heart attack okay there we go yep so uh he had that and so then we have more shooting more boat chases uh donna blows up uh one of the uh bad guys um it seems like donna actually blows up picasso trigger and then they conclude that uh, of course the guy shot at the beginning of the movie was an actor then the nazi dude the butler he comes uh he's packing up the car and we see picasso trigger is once again still alive he's he did not die in that explosion um and then he kills the nazi henchman he had um Travis uh, starts putting together a missile uh, from his crutch. Like, it's a missile launcher from his crutch. The missile is able to track Picasso's pacemaker, and it finally blows it up, finally killing him. The group joins on the uh, joins up again on the boat for our last clip. Congratulations, everyone. Washington says, hell of a job. But how did you know the real Picasso trigger was still alive? Well, you see, I had a hunch. So I set the computer to the coordinates on the pacemaker. The homing device did the rest. You see, the Picasso trigger set us up to kill off his competition. Pantera was a double-crossing bitch. She was working for Salazar the whole time. I knew that. You knew that? Yeah, I knew that. Professor, we couldn't have done it without you. Professor, you have fantastic instruments. You noticed. <laughs> and um what's gonna happen to the painting yeah taryn what is gonna happen to the painting i have it and i think i'll keep it after all the authentic painting is hanging in the new contemporary museum of paris this one is only a copy or is it <laughs> cheers ladies and gentlemen well done. I'm telling you real quick, number one, Taryn's really profiting from being on the witness protection program. She's a war profiteer at this point. This is the second valuable thing she got her fucking hands on that she will now sell and make a grip of money on. And that the was agents- born out of blood. Yeah, and the agents are totally fine with it. Like, what's next? Are we going to watch, like, Hard Hunted, and it turns out that Taryn's fucking profiting from blood diamonds and shit? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I got all these blood diamonds, and all it cost was this village full of children. <laughs> 55 children died in an explosion. Clip. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, they all laugh. They're privileged, safe, and secure. Roll credits. Oh, 
boy. All right, so the movie falls apart a little bit at the end, but they then do kind of wrap it up, and it makes a little bit more sense on a second or third viewing than it does a fourth one. I will give it that. Um, the crutch device thing where it fires all of this stuff was a bit off, and then it had a like a vector calculator that popped out to make it look like a computer. It was just a straight-up fucking accounting calculator that, yeah. that popped out. And the number that pops up on that is supposed to be the positioning where he was able to basically lock in on this guy's pacemaker somehow or, or something. Yeah. And, and they were supposed to believe that there's a missile that will seek out that specific radiation code for that. Luckily, there's nothing else that emits the same type of radiation or whatever. But there's I'm, some other guy with a pacemaker. He just got killed. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff that is a little frustrating in this movie. And clearly there's some stuff that you and I both missed. Like, I totally thought that the Nazi butler was the mad scientist and he was in on it, too, the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I was like, oh, so he's a Nazi scientist and he's working both sides. But he just happens to be subservient to this Salazar guy or whatever the fuck his name is that they're about to explode. But it, it didn't turn out that way. So Salazar's a double agent and his lady friend that was also an ex of this particular Abilene was also a double agent. There's a whole bunch of like double cross and triple cross and obviously the Abilenes are too smart for everybody and they figure it all out without even being told. But because the audience is dumb, the rancher calls and tells Donna Spear everything so she knows what's going on so she can go save his life at the last possible minute from the fact that he couldn't bring himself to murder the woman that was special to him in that lingerie outfit. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, fuck. (laughs) Okay. The gunplay in this is obviously the best so far. The little gadgets and using the remote control vehicles to blow shit up. There's way more explosions, so that's way more entertaining. A lot of different uh, nude scenes and a lot of different uh, aspects, and it's a little scattershot on that. They didn't focus in on, like, your two to maybe three main hotties for nudity. We got sort of similar to what we had on Malibu Express, where less, like, you know, sex scenes and more focusing in on just ladies showering and things like that, so I don't know if that's a downside or a plus side. I guess it depends upon how you prefer to view your nudity in film. Yeah, right. But I think, you know, it's all right. Everything's good. Yeah, I mean, the for the most part, the action, the adventure stuff in this was kind of fun. The dirt bike racing across, uh, you know, Malibu-ish or uh, Hawaiian island type terrain where they're chasing each other was very enjoyable for the fact of watching the ladies riding the bike with their boobs bouncing around. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, if that's not the sort of thing that you like to see, you're going to be very bored during that sequence because that definitely kept my attention. If you're not into it, you probably shouldn't be watching this movie. <laughs> probably not, no. But I mean, it's not, I still like Hard Ticket to Hawaii more. I think I just really enjoyed the stuff that Taryn and Donna were doing in that film a little bit more and they felt Hard to get to Hawaii was definitely better than this yes. yeah it, they felt too sidelined and they're I hate to say it but of all the actresses they're the ones that carry a movie the best and the other ladies that they brought in for this while absolutely gorgeous they didn't really carry the movie like Donna or Taryn the characters do you know that's it, true particularly Donna Spear out of everybody that we've seen so far in the Sedaris films Donna Spear is the best actress excluding maybe Sybil Danning but Sybil Danning is a whole other story and a different ballgame altogether and they're not going to get her back after Malibu Express. No, no, no. Yeah, that ain't happening. (laughs) (laughs) They blew all the money they had for Sybil Danning on the dresses that they got her to wear and then that was it. Pretty much. That was it. Like, oh, that's too bad. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I I would put this firmly behind Hard Ticket to Hawaii for enjoyment-wise. Like, this is my second favorite of the three we've done so far, but it's far and above Malibu Express. It's going to be really hard to find one that I dislike more than I disliked Malibu Express this time around. That is crazy, man, uh, how much you, like, really dislike Malibu Express. (laughs) Well, it's not that I hate it. It's just that there's such a huge jump between Malibu Express and Hard Ticket to Hawaii in quality, in, like, everything is so much better. And... 
it's just done better. And I think it's the, the explaining everything through expository dialogue via a monologue over the film that I really despise. And it really bugs me. And the older I get, the more those monologuing over films type things bother me. Unless it's like a film noir story and it's like this grizzled guy that doesn't talk otherwise and you can pretend like you're just hearing his innermost thoughts, then it, it doesn't work. I don't like monologuing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just got this recorder because I want to be a private eye. Right. So, and there was none of that in this film. It moves along at quite a grip. There's a ton of different locales. I would say it's a lot easier to follow once you already kind of know what's going on. The first time around when you're watching this, particularly if you're a full-blooded male that's really into ladies, or even the men, I guess you would get into that as well, but like you're still busy looking at the bodies if you're a horny toad like us, and you, you miss a lot of plot lines. And then when you pay attention to it the second or third time that you watch it a little bit more like I did this time around, then the story makes more sense. It wasn't until this viewing that I even got that that was the brother of the guy from the last film, Matt. So don't feel bad about that. (laughs) All right, good, good, good. And I've seen it. (laughs) This is probably the second or third time that I've watched Picasso Trigger now. And I still, like, until you explained it to me, thought that the scientist and the butler were the same guy. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, right. Spoiler alert, I don't pay attention to the old wrinkly dudes in the film unless they're Andy Sedaris. (laughs) I'm sure that makes Andy Sedaris feel good about himself, though. (laughs) Well, I noticed he lost weight from the last film, so I'm sure. Yeah, right? You're being really nice about this. (laughs) His character was significantly a better person in this movie than he was in the last one. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, His last movie, he was a rapist. So, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely a little bit better. I did like him as the RV driver in Malibu Express, though. That was a great cameo. That was hilarious. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, gotta pull over. <laughs> I mean, he was just being all of us. <laughs> yeah, true. All right. Well, I'm I'm done. I've got nothing else to really say about Picasso Trigger. Are you ready to move on, or do you have something I'm else? I'm ready to move on. All right. Yeah, it pretty much speaks for itself in everything that we just described, so there we go. Yes. All right, we're going to play a promo for the Corrupted Youth Podcast, because it is now getting the biggest push that I can do for a podcast. We will (laughs) then have some more music that fits in with Picasso Trigger. And when we come back, we're going to do some PSYOP news. Taste colors beyond any known spectrum as phonic euphoria cascades into your consciousness. Observe the laws of physics no longer applying to an existence that confines. Space and time will unravel and reform to a screaming new dawn, bursting with infinite possibility. It's as easy as listening to the Corrupted Youth Podcast, where the father-son duo of Dan and Brennan explore the latest blockbusters, classic genre films, and the schlockiest of Golden Age VHS rental store flicks in spoiler-heavy fashion. Corrupted Youth Podcast is available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and more. Take a break from reality, unlock your infinite cosmic potential, and become a dongle.
that music makes me feel like I'm playing the original version of Final Fantasy VII, and I went to the Costa del Sol resort area, and I'm just running around trying to collect stuff to be able to afford a place to stay for the night. Nice. <laughs> That's about as nerdy of a reference as I can muster at this you point. You did very the well there. I'm proud of you. <laughs> well, Matt, make me proud of you and give me some psyop news. This one comes from the witch. That's our boy Witch from the newly formed Gangs of Hollywood podcast and the soon-to-be-defunct and breaking my heart, Witch versus the Doomsday Clock. Oh, no way, really? Yeah, he's time, it's decided it's time to close up shop on it, but he's still podcasting. He's just moving things over to, to the Gangs of Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, it's just being moved over to that, so. All right, well, at least he's still doing it, though. <laughs> so, Man 30 baffles doctors after x-ray scans find a 61-centimeter charger in the man's bladder. Oh, gosh. If you doctors, want a fear boner. Doctors in Assam, India, were left baffled after finding a 61-centimeter phone charger inside a man's bladder. Did he X-rays. stick the needle down his pee hole? I, he'd I had mean, to do my, something down his pee hole. I, Lee, so I think that's the only way he could get it there, right? Right, I would think. Uh, x-ray scans show the entangled lead inside an unnamed patient's bladder. He must have an incredibly long penis. The uh, 30-year-old, who is said to have had a history of accidental ingestion of headphones... Visited doctors after complaining of abdominal pain last week. My gum has a cure for cancer. Okay, if you accidentally are ingesting a charger, there is no way it ends up in your bladder other than the opposite direction of through the pee hole. I don't even know if he ingested the charger. He just has a he has a history of ingesting his headphones. Yeah, by accident, quote unquote. But he has a history of it, which means it happened many times. Yeah, there's no way it's an accident if you are ingesting your headphones several times in a row. There's no trick. Slipping on the floor and your AirPods accidentally fly out of yours and hit your mouth and swallow that many times. It just doesn't happen. Exactly. One of the doctors on his team, a consultant surgeon, Dr. Waliu Islam, told the Hindu the man had initially lied and said he had ingested a headphone cord. He was then given a two-day course of laxatives in a bid to alleviate the stomach pain before doctors performed a small incision into his gastrointestinal tract. However, the surgeons were able to locate the cord. It wasn't until second x-ray conducted uh, in the operation theater revealed the obstruction was actually a charging cord that had found its way into the man's bladder. I'm already getting arrested. I might as well grab this guy's dick. Uh, All right. Dr. Islam said that the patient initially told him the truth. The surgery could have been if the if the if the patient had initially told him the truth, the surgery could have been avoided altogether. I am. The cord could have been uh, extricated via the penile urethra through which he had inserted it. He must have an incredibly long penis. Did he stick the needle down his pee hole? Doctors. Oh, fucking shit. Doctors believe it had been inserted for sexual gratification. Oh, fuck. That's uh, that's basically cock stuffing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the operation took the team of five medics. 45 minutes removed the lead with Dr. Islam admitting he had never seen anything like this in a 25-year career. Some people do things for sexual gratification, but this man took things a little too far, he said. It's a thing. The man, the man spent three days recovering in the hospital before he was released to home. Okay. Ow. The number one rule of cock stuffing is don't put it all the way in where you can't take it back out. 
Oh God, I just, I, oof, dude, that hurt. <laughs> hurts a little too much, man. Don't do, don't. Oh God, don't tell me about your cock stuffing. I don't even know about it. Well, cock stuffing, it's a thing for me personally. Not a thing. <laughs> Get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It just it shouldn't be a thing. I think about people doing that, and I'm like, okay, well, for you, it's a thing. But for me, I'm like, uh, so not a thing that I want to try. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was oh. I was made aware of that a long time ago on a road trip. Actually, in a friend's car, we were on our way to visit the Night of the Living Dead cemetery in, in Evan City, and uh-huh. he brought it up that that was a thing that he had heard about, and he was like, Google it real quick for an image search, and we proceeded to try a gross each other out by showing each other pictures on the phone of um, the scans and or x-rays of what it looked like after the said cock got stuffed. Oh. <laughs> and I will tell you, it's something you will never unsee if you've seen, you know, like especially like backwards forks and things like that that people have been able to fit inside of themselves through the urethra. It's disturbing. Oh. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yikers. I just, I can't even picture it like just thinking about the pain of what that would cause, you know, like I just it's Oof. really uncomfortable. It does does not uh does not seem good oh, tears are good lube that's not that's that's i mean kind of true i guess yeah <laughs> shut up are you talking about penises yes i have the most confused direction right now <laughs> now clearly this gentleman that is the subject of what we're discussing here has some type of like i i want to say pika for when he's like swallowing or he ends up with losing his headphones apparently swallowing them but i think what he's been doing is sticking electronics into his nethers and pretending like he just swallowed them and that's how they passed back out. And in this case, he tried the front access entrance of the urethra and found that it was causing him severe amount of pain that he couldn't get that back out on his own. And perhaps he was too embarrassed to admit it because of the way that people like you and I are reacting to it. Or maybe forcing them to figure out how to get it out of him in the first place is like part of the thing that he enjoys. Yeah, something like that. It just, Jesus. it doesn't seem to me like a healthy sexual outlet because he is doing damage to his body and causing himself severe and abdominal per, pain. Yeah, there's no way that's, that. yeah, that's definitely not healthy. I mean, I'm okay with you wanting to stuff. That's fine. But like, do it as safely as possible and try not to damage yourself and get things lodged into your body permanently. Because then I you're in. I don't think I'm cool with it. <laughs> you're, you're in Albert Fish territory. If you start inserting needles and stuff into yourself and then you can't get them back out and they're stuck. Oh. I'm not into it. Oh, it's so terrible. Oh, so for uh, for Matt, he's like, that's not a thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. You're okay with other people. For For other people, you're like, it's a thing. But for you, uh, so not a thing. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, you you nailed the the yeah you nailed the nail on the head right there. (laughs) Let's do another news story since we lacked everybody last week. We'll give them another one. All right, all right. Let's do another one here. Uh, this one's uh, from Alan McPherson. That is Chef Al, I believe, in Nova Scotia. I think it's Halifax. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Chef Al. I apologize. All right. Uh, more arrests over 200 million worth of meth found in bottles of sriracha chili sauce. Oh, this is perfect for our discussion about sriracha last week, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, two people have been arrested in Australia as part of an ongoing investigation into the seizure of more than 300 million in Aussie money, U.S. 198 million of methamphetamines concealed in bottles of sriracha hot sauce. Because who's going to go looking in sriracha hot sauce for anything? Yeah, especially when the drug, also known as ice, huh? 
put ice in the hot sauce, was found on October 15, 2019 by Australian Border Force officers inside 768 bottles of hot sauce in an air cargo consignment that arrived from the U.S. into a Sydney freight depot. <laughs> Testing found the bottles contained about 880 pounds of methamphetamine with an estimated street value of over of close to $200 million U.S. As part of the investigation, five people were arrested and charged. New South Wales Police has now arrested two more people in connection to the money laundering and drug supply investigation. All cops a, are bumbling dummies. A 21-year-old man was arrested during a vehicle stop on Victoria Road, West Ride. A 50-year-old man suspect was also detained at an intersection of Bellevue Avenue and Victoria Road. You can't pay your bail? Well, I could probably fix that for a blowy. The younger suspect was later charged with knowingly dealing with the proceeds of a crime. And the elder suspect was charged with two counts of the same offense. Police suspect the 50-year-old laundered money for an organized crime syndicate involved in the importation of illicit drugs. All kinds of things you don't want on your day. Sriracha and Dur- math. Yeah, during a search of the 50-year-old's vehicle, police seized a money counting machine, a cell phone, and cash. A to further hell with the 500... Oh, what? To hell with the police. <laughs> a further, uh, further $500,000 cash was also inside a cooler bag in the trunk of the vehicle. Both men are due to appear in court to face charges having been refused bail. You can't pay the your event- bail? Well, I could probably fix that for a blowy. The investigation is being conducted by Strike Force Diffie investigators with assistance from Australian Federal Police and ABF. Methamphetamine or ICE has a devastating effect on the community every single day and ABF will continue working with our domestic law enforcement partners to stop those who try to import this life-destroying drug. Acting ABF Regional Commander for NSW Matt O'Connor said in a statement following the seizure of the drug. Why can't they just make their own meth in Australia? They have like so many square miles of completely uninhabited area that no one will ever come to. That all you got to do is truck the shit out and then take the finished product back. Maybe it's because we have a lot better methamphetamines here. Well, or maybe better people will make it. Well, we have Heisenberg, so there you go. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure about the quality of. Is it? Would you call it bush meth out there? I don't know. We'll have to. We'll have to yeah, ask the, which. Is Jesus. It, is it bush out meth? Bush. Whenever they make it out in the bush out there. Yeah. Um, where, where are you getting your meth from? Not that you get meth, but like, where would you get it from? Like when I come to visit in Australia, where will I get it from? Is there any ice out in the bush? <laughs> and do all bushes need to be iced down in the outback? That's the question. Yeah, maybe they do. It's, it's quite hot out there. <laughs> Well, this Jesus. just got into a territory that I'm very uncomfortable with how comfortable I am with it. Yeah, right? <laughs> so we're going to just cut this off here before it gets any worse. The news story's done, I assume. Yes, the news story is done. <laughs> All right. We need a status update on the ice in the bush, though. That's definitely yes. the thing that we, we need. we need a status update for the icy bush. <laughs> While we're waiting on that status update, we're going to play the Ending Legion promo here. We'll have a little bit more music that is befitting of Picasso Trigger. And when we come back, we will out this show. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, 
Pick 6 Movies, the podcast by The Cemetery, the podcast on Haunted Hill, the Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. dubstep in that reggae royalty free music i grabbed there looks like the beat dropped on us matt yeah man i don't even know what's happening anymore right in the middle of that saucy reggae beat that we had going on just the beat drops and all of a sudden we've got dubstep reggae going on right <laughs> well if you'd like to uh find out where you can find more dubstep reggae going on in our legion podcast feed that's our main landing and launching page legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops although we do not guarantee any dubstep and or dubstep reggae yes no dubstep i don't even think that's a thing anymore i mean it kind of is but not so as anyone would notice anyhow yeah there is however the main landing and launching page there at the address i gave you legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops that's where all of our episodes drop in step and are dubbed yes i like all my dubstebs dropped in in that page we're gonna bring dubstep back no we're doing it no we're gonna leave dubstep where it belongs wherever it went to you gotta bring it back <laughs> no you absolutely can leave it wherever it turned out now where you're gonna take a lot of your memes or anything that you want to share for the group to laugh at and have a good time hey man i just want it to be funny whatever it is just make it funny that's in our facebook group just cinema psyops that's all you got to look for you're gonna find it that's the facebook group having yes. trouble locating it find me on facebook i am court psyops or find matt on facebook as matt psyop and ask him where the group is or ask me where the group is because matt will probably just direct you to the wrong group anyway i will i'll probably just tell you that you gotta talk to fucking court 
<laughs> you can email feedback to Matt and tell him he needs to be able to find where his own fucking group is, psyopmatt at gmail.com. I know, it's recorded. <laughs> yes, I am the group and the group is me. I am Legion. Hear me roar. Well, the, uh, the podcast network is Legion, but uh, yes. I'm Legion in my brain like the possessed demon in uh, the Corinthians. I, I don't remember where Jesus uh, confronted knows. that guy. Doesn't fucking matter. You want to email feedback <laughs> to me and tell me where it was that Jesus confronted that guy that said he was the Legion of Demons? I'm cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com. You can send me all the Bible facts you want. Chances are I'll just laugh at you. Oh, thank God somebody is. Crack them. <laughs> you can also tweet a couple of tweets to a couple of twats on the hate-filled shit fest. That is Twitter, although it's become much more hospitable now that I have unfollowed a lot of people. At Court underscore PSYOP for me and at PSYOP Matt for Matt, although he is rarely, if ever, on that. I can't remember the last time I saw you tweet at PSYOP Matt. Twitter is... I don't tweet at all uh, as anybody. <laughs> but you could also Twitter. you could also just hang out with me and all the kids on the Instagrams where I am cinema underscore psyops. That's where I reshare all of your tasty ass memes that you either put on Facebook or specifically in our Facebook group and I decide to repurpose them. Or if I just come across them and decide that it needs to be shared with all of the people because they are our memes, that's where they end up on our cinema underscore psyops feed on the Instagram with all the cool kids. Yes, all those cool kids. <laughs> Love their social media posting. We, we, we love our influencers, don't we? <laughs> I don't know how I feel about influencers, but maybe you should kick the fuck out of them and this weekend make it your bitch. Tracks of land. Well, Donna Spears' tracks of land are much more impressive, but yes, that's true. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. Just, I'm not trying to, to disparage. I'm not trying. Yeah, I'm not trying to disparage Pope Marie Carlton in any way, shape, or form. And I'm also not trying to build up Donna Spear in any way, shape, or form. And also, it's extremely sexist to boil and distill down a woman's nature to the size of her tracts of land. This is true. Now that we've covered all of our touchy-feely bases... Yes, it, we're a safe space. Remember that. Right. For, for morons, I think is how for, I put it, right? Yeah, we're a safe space. For morons. We're a progressive safe space. For morons. Yes, exactly. Uh, that's a... Her, 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 her cat likes him. Her Okay. Uh... <laughs> What they're doing reminds me of Crispin Glover's spazzo dance in uh, Friday the 13th Part 4 that he did to Back in Black, which makes more sense to Back in Black than it does to... I'm not saying it was good. I'm just saying it makes more sense to Back in Black than it does to the song that they played over top of Crispin Glover's dance in Friday the 13th Part 4. Yes, which is the best Crispin Glover dancing that's ever been. (laughs) I mean, it's the only one that I can think of off the top of my head other than maybe... Back to the Future. Well, I mean... That was slow dancing. Yeah, and I mean, anytime that you're slow dancing, with Caroline in the city, you're doing all right. Yeah, yeah, life's life's going good for you. As long as Caroline in the city isn't trying to bone her son. <laughs>
I mean, unless you're her son at that point, and then maybe life is going okay for you. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. Court, don't don't bring your incest fetish over here, right, man? <laughs> we're trying to have a clean show. So, yeah, like, we're ever going to do the clean show. <laughs> we couldn't do a clean show if we fucking tried. And no, no, we couldn't. And, and secondly, it's not an incest fetish. It's a fetish for doing the nasty and the pasty. Oh, oh, I got <laughs> I don't know about you sometimes, man. I'm watching you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm watching you, bud. Well, aren't you being all authoritarian over my pleasure? <laughs> that's right. I am going to shame you. Uh, that's okay. It's one of my kinks. Shame away. Yeah, that's true. All right, so then the next day, they go to the rancher, and that is our... I can't wait till we can... Can I just real quick, and then I'm going to redo this. I can't wait till we do the show again in person, because fucking these silences, because I don't know if you're done or not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm purposely pausing longer to let you know that I'm done, so... Okay, I gotcha. They're not that bad. They just bathe in privilege that you'll never know, and it makes you extremely jealous. Yeah! <laughs> Duh! That's fair. I'm just saying. But thanks, Dr. Phil. Why don't we go do something else later? You need to change your attitudes with my platitudes. Holy shit, man. You do a pretty good, Dr. Phil. That's because I hate him more than anything else. I hate <laughs> him more than every single Abilene times 10 in your brain. Jeez. God damn, you hate Dr. Phil a lot. Like I said, thank you, movie. That was, uh, <laughs> she was also wearing a fetching outfit. You're keeping all these copies I gave you for review, aren't you? Uh, uh, no, but you can't have the thumb drive back, and you can't ask why you can't have it back. <laughs> <laughs> I just want it back empty. That's fine. No, you can't have it. It's mine. Shut up. <laughs> Get your own porn thumb drive, damn it. <laughs> oh, man. So anyway, uh, <laughs> we need this thumb drive. You know, we all have internet, but whatever. Okay. Hey, man, have you ever hung up all day? That's that's a lot of work. Yeah, just sitting there, letting the water slowly cook you like a boiling bag, sure. Mm-hmm. And then your know, boobs are floating around in there. There's something. There's something happening. I mean, a lot if there's, of fun. If there's, good times. If there's boobs floating around in the hot tub with me, especially if they're attached to a living person, <laughs> that's quite enjoyable. Well, why would they be attached to a living person? Don't shame me about what I want to do in my hot tub. You're right. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sick fuck. Um, the, uh, then, um, the bat, the Hold on one second. That's okay. I need to see what clip we're on. Alejandro Felipe Salazar. I already played that one, so that's good. We only got two left from what I can tell. Yes. Cool. Sorry. Hold on one second here. But they use the banger, banger, uh, oh, bangerang with the explosion and then they blow him up. It's boomerang. You want to hit that again? Boom. Yeah. <laughs> They use the boomerang and with the explosive on it and blow them up. Um, Side note, a bangerang is an awesome place to visit in the reprisal TV series available on Hulu. Bangerang? That's a real thing? Uh, in the reprisal series in Hulu, it is the end-all be-all of places to go when you want to have a good time and no restrictions on that good time. Nice. I still like to call it a bangerang because it did have an explosion on it or an, <laughs> uh, an explosive. Well, boomerang works too if you think about it. It's literally No, that's boom. true. It's boom. Yeah, you're right. Donna calls the rancher, and that's our next clip. Nice of you to limp by. You were expecting. There's an awful lot of radiation in this room, more than from that TV cam. Sorry about LG's death. He's a fine individual. Hold on. He's alive. Are we missing something? 
it's uh let me try the clip that was six that i thought we already did let me pull that one back up maybe that's what it is okay maybe i jumped the gun on six Alejandro Felipe Salazar, code name the picasso trigger no this no, is a meeting. assassinated on the right. front steps of a museum in paris shortly after he donated a three yeah that was six and the one that i just played is seven which is where cody limps up to confront them so you don't have the call on a clip unless that's your clip eight and maybe you're out of order here congratulations everyone Washington said... Nope, that's the end, so you don't have a clip for that one. Fuck, did I accidentally delete that? Because I thought I had that. That's okay. I got the gist of the call. We can skip the clip and we'll just do it. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right, hold on. Uh, three, two, one. Oh, shit. Let's see here. What do we got? Hold on. What's with all that asshole one. creep? Right? Uh, this one comes from... A uh, that's the witch, so rephrase that. Oh, okay. how I feel about influencers, but maybe you should kick the fuck out of them and this week and make it your bitch. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm inciting violence, I guess. Right, maybe. I don't know, but uh, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll stop my recording so there's no more evidence of it. That's a perfect place to end the episode.